the scripture this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting with verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is this, that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Has Paul crucified? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except uh, Crispus and Gaius, so that none may say that they were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I don't know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Amen. It's the Word of God. You may be seated as the children are dismissed. From the songs in the scripture read it, you can tell that we are talking about the church and the divisions that happen within the church. And uh, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. Uh, he calls them his brothers and his sisters, which tells us that he is that they he's looking at them and regarding them as part of the body of Christ. And that he calls them sanctified and he calls them saints. So he's talking to people who are clearly believers. I want to emphasize that because some people get confused and think, well, uh, is the church at Corinthians, they've got so many things they're goofing up on that, uh, is it, is it really, are they really saved? And the answer is yes, they are. Uh, the letter, the letter addresses severe issues. And it starts right off where we read today in, in the first chapter. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then here's, here's the essence of what he's appealing. That all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, that you be united in the same mind, the same judgment, says you need to be like-minded is basically what he is saying and at peace with each other. Now, I know that there are, are divisions, he says. Chloe's uh, people who have called, come to see me have, have told me this is what's going on. And so he addresses this by identifying them. Well, I follow Paul. Now, why would they follow Paul? What would be the essence of following Paul? And I was trying to give my thoughts to this, and I went back to Acts chapter 18 and read the, about the Corinthian church and everything. Paul was the one that founded the church there. And he was their first real teacher. And so, they could say, yes, we, we were there when Paul started the church, and we follow Paul. He's our leader. He's our teacher. And, and, and so, we are, 
<laughs> for lack of better words, were Paulites. Uh, but then there's a, a man by the name of Apollos who came to Corinth. He came from Alexandria. He was a guy who had, uh, according to Acts chapter 18 again, he was quite an orator. He had a, a gift to speak. And, uh, and, and so he was, uh, uh, he would preach and, and there's a term that says to wax eloquent, to speak eloquent, and, and that would apply to Apollo. So he must have been a very charismatic preacher, I think. And so after he started preaching there, some people said, oh, we're, that's our guy. You know, we, we think he is the best teacher we've ever heard. And so uh, they follow Apollos. They said, we're of Apollos. And then some say they were of, of, of Cephas. That's Peter. Some say they were of Peter. And I'm thinking, Peter had, I don't even know if Peter spent any time here, here at Corinth, really. Uh, and why Peter? Well, Peter was the one that, uh, that, that they did come into contact with at one point. He was with Christ. He knew Christ face to face. And so, we can trust what he's teaching. So, we're, we're of Peter. Paul's never met Christ, you know. Uh, you know, so we, you know, we, we think that, uh, you know, we'll follow Peter's teachings. And then there's one that says, uh, you know, we're of Christ. And I, I looked at that and I thought, that's the best place to be. We're of Christ, you know. And and then I realized, though, the way Paul has put this, he's calling these people in the, in the same area as the other as dissension. And I'm thinking, okay, what would be? And there would be people at Corinth who possibly had seen Christ, actually had been in the area of Judea, or. They, in fact, there, there was uh, Corinthians people from that area that were uh, Jews who were at the, the uh, Sermon on the Mount. And, and, and so, you know, they came back and they, and they saw themselves as the, the base, you know, were of Christ. Um, the people that would be of Christ would look at the Gospels as the teachings, and they would pretty much ignore the rest of the Scriptures in the New Testament. They only were interested in the things that would be taught of Christ. That was the, the, the picture here. So, you know, of Paul, of Apollos, of Cephas, of Christ, uh, you know, basically what they were saying is that this is who we are and we, won't, we don't care what Paul says or we don't care what Peter says or we don't care what Apollos says. You know, or we don't we don't want to participate with those legalists, those people of the of Christ that only teach what Christ said. You know, and so they they're in division. And I was looking at this, and the the idea of you know is this something that we deal with today? And the answer is yes. The church has dealt with divisiveness within the framework of individual congregations, denominations, and so many different things over the centuries that we can't say anything but, yeah, it's with us today. And I found an illustration. First off, uh, this, this guy says the divided church is an oxymoron. Uh, the two words together don't go because divided and church don't belong together. The church is 
one. And we just sang a bunch of songs that dealt with that. So, uh, yeah. But, but he goes on, he says, he uses this illustration, and I, I, I don't normally read these, but I, I found this one amusing. There was a man who had been marooned on a desert island for 20 years. One day a ship finally came by and he was waving and jumping up and down from the beach and they saw him. And when they came ashore, they looked around and saw all kinds of buildings and structures. They asked him where all the buildings were for and he took them for a tour of his island. They walked down the street and he made... uh, (coughs) Excuse me. They walked down the street he had made and he showed them uh, his house and his grocery store, his community center where he went for entertainment. As they walked down the street, he was proudest of his church. He had built for worship on Sunday morning. As they looked around, they saw another building that he had not mentioned and they asked him what that building was. He said, that's the building was the church he used to attend before he got mad and changed churches. Clever, but unfortunately, more true than we might want to admit. I was trying to think of some of the things, and I I didn't want to be too current, uh, so as to not be too offensive, uh, about things that are, are teachers that we tend to get behind. And so I went back to the, the, the 60s and 70s and looked at a few, and uh, Bill Gothard and his seminars. Uh, and, and it was, the irony of all of this is that Bill Gothard says, please don't become Gothardites. You know, that's not the point. He says, I just want to share with you some truths that I have found, this type of thing. And, and, uh, uh, Bill Bright, very big. Francis Schaeffer. If Francis Schaeffer wrote it, it must be true. Certainly Billy Graham. You know, there, 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 I don't think there's anybody that has ever said anything really in the context of, of, you know, being a, a party person, but there are people who have said, I follow the teachings the way Billy Graham presents it. And the only time I, I basically have church, if you will, is when Billy Graham is on. And, and I've known people that have only listened to Billy Graham have never been to church and consider themselves saved as well. And I don't deny it. Chuck Swindoll. Boy, again, another one. You know, prolific writer. And everybody was reading Chuck Swindoll at one point or and time. And, and, said, and so you, you, people might say, oh, I'm of, of, of Gothard, or I'm of Bill Bright, or I'm of, of Francis Schaeffer. And, and uh, there was one more. Chuck Smith. And... I remember a, a uh, meeting that he was uh, a conference that he was one of the speakers at uh, that Calvary Chapel was putting on at one of the conference centers uh, off of 17 between Santa Cruz and San Jose. There's a number of uh, conference centers in that area, and uh, he got up and, and the first thing he said was he scolded people. He says. For all of you who have said you sit under my teaching because you listen to my t- tapes, he says, shame on you. 
It's you know, and and he went on and and basically said, I don't want you know followers of 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 Chuck Smith. We want followers of Christ. And he was really he spent a, a, a quite a bit of time speaking about that that day, and. Uh, you know, it, it didn't change things in the overall picture. Uh, if you were a Calvary Chapel person, you only went to a Calvary Chapel. You know, if you were, a, and, and it's pretty much the same thing. Uh, we, we we look for the church that we're most familiar with uh, in, in another community uh, that we think is going to be the most like where we come from and and what we practice or do. So we forget that the church is one. When we say in the, in the Apostle Creed, the Holy Catholic Church, it means the universal church, the church within the framework of the world. All the believers. And by the way, it's all the believers past, present, and future. Paul uh, basically in verse 13, kind of takes a thought. He says, let's think, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, let's think about this. Let's step back and, and just think about this. And he asks some rhetorical questions. Is Christ divided? Did Paul go to the cross for you? Was he crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? And uh, you know you you know the Great Commission says to go out and to baptize in the name of what the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And yet there were people who would say, uh, under the teachings of Apollos, we baptize you into the church and this type of thing. Uh, so Paul's trying to get them to understand that. There is only one foundation, Jesus Christ the Lord, and He is the source for all of this. He's, it, it, there's not, you know, Apollos may be teaching. In fact, one of the things that, that, that you find is that if you limit the number of teachers that you are exposed to, you limit the amount of knowledge you're going to have about Christ. If we go to Bible college, those of you maybe have been to any, any college, uh, no matter what your major is, you will have multiple teachers on the same subject area. And maybe they have an expertise in this or an expertise in that or whatever. But overall, you don't have just one brilliant teacher. Uh, you, you have a multitude of teachers who present to you various facets of what it is you're there to learn. And you have a fuller picture of the whole because of that. And that would be the same thing with the, 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 the teachers. You know, maybe you, you're here because uh, you like the way it's presented, the gospel's presented here and taught, but there's nothing wrong with listening to another pastor on the radio or on the television or on a CD or any other format that you might have and, and getting another perspective. So Paul says, you know, Christ is, you know, basically these were rhetorical questions. So Christ isn't divided. He's one person. He is the foundation. And so that's what it's all built on. And, and, you know, as far as being crucified, 
He was crucified for you. No one else was. No individual person. Jesus Christ was the one. And some people might say, well, so-and-so was modern. What an awesome teacher he was and, and stuff like that. The point is, is that no one else's death on a cross or martyrdom or any other way has anything to do with the grace that is on you because of the cross of Christ. That's where it really goes. Jesus Christ. I had one commentator say, the cross eliminates all boasting. Because everyone is saved by Jesus Christ through the cross. And the grace that He gives us. It doesn't matter how good a teacher, how great a teacher, how great a preacher you are, or how little you know, but you confess Jesus Christ, you are all saved by the same cross, by the same grace. And interestingly enough, we are all before the throne of God equal. God doesn't see, oh, well, you were a great teacher, you're going to get a little better picture of heaven, or you're going to get a greater seat in heaven, or whatever. We are all the children of God. We are all joint heirs equally with Christ. So the question is, how do we fix this dividing? This, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm a Cephas, I'm of Christ. And, and you know, uh, Paul says in verse 10, at the end of verse 10, he says, be united in the same mind, in the same judgment. And then he goes on uh, in verse four, uh, 17, uh, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of, of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross be emptied of its power. So he's looking at it as, as preaching, and the fact that I baptized a few of you, that shouldn't set me apart. The thing was important was that I preached to you. And, and that you learned of Jesus Christ. And so, the, the, the question though is, is this, this being of one mind. To agree where there's no divisions. And I wrote here, easy said but hard to do. Paul has a way of describing this that I think is important that we look at this morning. The neat thing about Scripture is is that we're not supposed to take one area and just say, oh, okay, be of one mind. Okay, that means we all have to think exactly alike. First off, I don't believe that's what God would want anyway. He's created us with our own experiences and individual uh, lives and, and all the things that have happened to us to make us and create us to be the people we are. And as a result, able to minister to some people, but maybe not able to minister to others. You know, and, and so the body of Christ has to be made up of people of all different backgrounds because we're going to go out and minister to people of all different backgrounds. And so when it says of one mind, what is he talking about? And it basically is one mind about who Jesus Christ is. Let me give you uh, what I think is is 
the best picture that Paul gives of this. And it's found in, in Philippians chapter 2. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, he says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and in one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. In other words, what he's starting to look at here is that this idea of being at one mind is to have the attitude that we treat others ahead of ourselves, in a sense. Have you ever heard the phrase, I'm third? The first time I heard it, I was uh, probably about 12 years old at Y camp. And I hadn't a clue about church. I hadn't a clue about Christianity. And there was a guy who was preaching and he says, and it stuck. It was just one of the things. In fact, I made a plaque and, and it's still somewhere in the attic. You know, uh, that says, I'm third with a little lanyard holding it. You know, and, and the thing is, is that God is first, the other person is second, and I am third. This is the mind he wants us to have. This sacrificial idea that I want to put others ahead of myself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He had the equality, but he didn't have to, to yank at it or grab at it or, or demand it. But he made himself nothing. It literally means he emptied himself. Taking the form of a servant. This is the, the creator of the universe became a man and took the form of a servant, a slave. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is the attitude that, that, that this is the idea of what it is to have one mind. It is to put other people ahead of yourself, even to the point of sacrifice. How many people then, you start to think about this, how many missionaries have given up so much in order to take the gospel to someone? They don't want to be remembered as, as the church of, of uh, I think of Lowell Appleberry as, as one of my friends who was a missionary in China. And, 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 you know, he had a tremendous influence. Went through terrible, terrible persecution from the, the Chinese uh, Red Army at the time because he was there in the 50s. His wife was uh, uh, captured in a village while he was out preaching and, and was in a prison camp for four years. You know, and, and so, you know, he, they went through terrible experiences and yet they kept preaching the gospel because this is what God had called them to do. And, and they were committed to it. He doesn't want the school of Lowell Appleberry. He doesn't want the church of Lowell Appleberry. He wants the body of Christ. And that's what we are called to. Wherever we are, we are to be prepared to give a witness to our faith. We may be just, we, we may be missionaries to three neighbors and nothing more. Who knows what those people will do?
the guy that shared Jesus with me in a restaurant on a day that freakishly snowed in Paradise, California in May. And we decided, uh, people in the construction, I would happen to have a furniture shop, furniture refinishing and stuff like that and custom furniture. And, and the paint store above me, and there was nobody coming in because there was snow. And we all decided, ah, close the doors and, and let's go to the brunch house. Well, everybody else had decided to go to the brunch house too. And there was one table off in the corner with one guy sitting at it and three open chairs. And so the three of us went through there and sat there. Do you mind if we sit with you? And he started sharing the gospel. My friends left as quickly as they could. And uh, the place started to empty out and we were still sitting there talking over cold breakfasts we hadn't even eaten. And I wasn't, it was no dramatic thing. I didn't turn around and say, oh, Lord, you know, anything. He just, for whatever reason, was what God chose to use to open my mind to see something. And what it was, was he says, I'm not asking you to believe it. I'm asking you to believe that those who wrote about it believed it. What a common, what a novel way to approach it. I was so interested in that, I went across the street and bought a Bible and went back to my furniture shop, sat in my spray booth in a rocking chair I should have been working on. Turned, you know, that's where my light is best, in my spray booth. And I sat, started reading and I read the, the Gospel of John because he told me that was where I needed to start. Then I read Luke, Mark, Matthew. I do everything backwards. And uh, I got home after that afternoon. Kathy said, what did you do today? <laughs> and I jokingly, I said, oh, I read the Gospels. You could have walked into her mouth. <laughs> because just weeks before, I had said, if any of your friends come over with their Bibles again, I'll go down to the wheel arc where the pool table is and the bar, <laughs> and, and you call me when they're gone. And that's exactly what I did. And I was so interested in that that I, I, I was wondering, hey, these guys, especially John, sound intense about what they believe here. Why would they believe this? New bookstore in town, Christian bookstore, just opening up. They didn't have all their fi fixtures and, and, and stuff that they needed. They did shelving and stuff like that. So I made a deal with them. I'll, I will, if you'll pay for the materials, I'll supply the labor and put it all in and you give me back books. That'll help me understand this. Year and a half later before I accepted the Lord. By the way, I got another Christian bookstore in the same position where we moved and I got more books. What I'm trying to get at is, is that, you know, it's, it's, God brings people across your path. That's what He wants from us. He wants us to be prepared in and out of season, wherever we are, to be the gospel presentation. We don't have to be an Apollos. We don't have to be a Peter. We don't have to be a Paul. We don't have to have attended the right church. We don't have to have attended the right seminar. We just need to be prepared to share what God has done in us. And that's all this guy had shared with me. I thought he was nuts. I went back to a year and a half later. We, I, I went, we went back to see some friends. I tried to find him. I couldn't. 
And it turns out he was just a construction worker. And in fact, he, he, he had some defects himself. He, one of the guys says, you listen to him, he's an alcoholic. Can a drunk person actually be saved? It says drunks don't inherit the kingdom of God. That's unrepentant drunks. What it boils down to for me is I go through Philippians here and, 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 and as I look at this and I'm thinking to myself, is Christ divided? Of course not. He, he, he should be at the center of our worship. He should be at the center of our teaching. He should be at the center of our day-to-day lives. And I put down here, where do you draw the line as far as to what involves where I would fellowship, where I wouldn't, uh, whether it's Apollos preaching or Peter preaching or, or Paul preaching, where would I draw the line? And I realized that it's the statement of faith that we've just read this morning. Look at it again. I believe in God the Father. God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. He's the creator. He is the one who put it together. So I'm saying in that context, I believe in a a God-created world and universe. How did it happen? He spoke it into existence. I believe that. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell and on the third day He rose again from the dead. I believe in the resurrection, the bodily resurrection, the empty tomb resurrection of Jesus Christ. He ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of God and the Father Almighty. From there He shall come again. He's going to come to judge the living and the dead. It's called the resurrection. And of course, we say later on there, I believe in the resurrection of the body. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy, universal, Christian church. Yeah, we use the word Catholic. It has nothing to do with a denomination. It has to do with the definition of a word. Universal. The word Catholic was used here long before there was a Pope. The communion of the saints the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. That's a good starting place to say, this is who I am. This is what I believe. I don't believe it because John MacArthur says it. I believe it because it comes from the Word of God. And I believe the Word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's God breathed. So, you know, that's who I am. I think we all need to sit down some, at some point and just define ourselves as to, you know, you might just copy what I just said. I don't know. But don't say I'm a Bob, whatever. Uh, you know, the idea is, is that we are all under the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the only name we confess. 
So if we say we are of Christ, it's not the one that they're talking about here of, of, of being you know, legalistic and this type of thing. We are of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior. And that's who we are. And anybody who, who comes along and, and, and can read this statement of faith and agree with it, with us, we can have fellowship with. Now, if someone turns around and says, and there, there are places here in town that you can go to worship where I know this is the, the, the foundational part, it's Jesus Christ was not bodily resurrected. His teachings were resurrected. I can't worship there. There's, 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 there's no brotherhood there. There's no, you know, agreement there. There's no of the same mind. What do we have the same mind about? And that's what I'm trying to say this morning. The Apostles' Creed is a good point to start. That makes us of the same mind. All this talk about Christ, the cross, Him crucified, is because that's who we are. That's why we share communion every Sunday. I've had people say, well, why, why don't you just do it once a month like our church down south did? Or I've had actually some people say, you know, the church I came from in, in San Jose, we only did it once a quarter. I actually know some people who go to a church that only do it once a year. And then there's some churches that don't do it at all. You know, we do it every Sunday because it's a reminder of who Christ is, what He has done, and it's what brings us of one mind together. We come to the table and we say, yes, this is the Christ we love. He died for us. He rose for us. He says He's going to share this again when He comes for us. We have all this, and that's who we are. So as we have communion in, in, this morning, um, we have two trays up here. The one on this side is two cups, one with the bread and, the, and, and one with the uh, juice. And this one is a packet on this side. And uh, we ask that you come up and, and uh, pick up the communion yourselves. And uh, I don't know if some one of these days we may be passing the trays again, but... Uh, for the time being, that's what we do. And somebody asked me, by the way, and it's just a side note, where, how come we don't take an offering? It's the same reason. We don't want to pass things back and forth that we've touched. There's an offering box over there. And we can also give online through our website. So, whatever you want. So, let's come up and, and share the communion. And uh, we'll share it together in just a minute.
to the Corinthians. I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when He was betrayed, took bread. And when He'd given thanks, He broke it, and He said, This is My body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. Let us share the bread together. Paul goes on. In the same way, Jesus also uh, took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's share. Father, we thank You for the opportunity to share in the the cup and the bread. How awesome it is to know the God of all creation, our Savior, purchased us at the cross. And in giving us a life 
everlasting, making us part of the kingdom of God eternally. But more than anything else, drawing us into Your presence. We worship You. We praise You. We thank You for Your mercy and Your grace. We ask that You would go with us. Cause us to be the gospel carriers that You want us to be. To share Your Word with those who You opened the door to for us to share. And we thank You. We worship You. We praise You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you stand as we close with our worship song? the sword that makes so wounded whole we will fight with faith and valor when faced with trials on every side we hold the outcome secure and Christ will have the price for which he died and inherit in some nation the cross where love and mercy meet as the Son of God is stricken. Then see His foes lie crushed beneath His feet where the conqueror has risen. And as the stone is rolled away and Christ emerges from the grave, this victory marks Continues till the day Every eye and heart shall see So Spirit come But strengthen every stride Give grace for every hurdle That we may run With faith to win the prize Of a serving good and faithful As saints of old still line the way Retelling triumphs of His grace We hear their calls And hunger for the day When with Christ we stand in glory As saints of old still line the way Retelling triumphs of His grace We hear their calls And hunger for the day when the Christ we stand in glory.
morning.